You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I hope everybody's having a lovely Monday evening. The sun is shining where I am, so it is good vibes, certainly. Uh, Just before we get into this uh, podcast and what we're going to talk about today, just a quick announcement for you guys. We have a brand new sponsor on the channel, um, especially the podcast. Uh, So I'm just going to quickly open this up and show you guys the um, company that has very kindly sponsored the pod. And um, then I'll introduce the panel and what we're going to get through today. So this is basically your foot card for you guys that play Ultimate Team. I'm an absolute sweat on Ultimate Team. I'm still playing it and it is June. Um, Probably need to get a life, but here we are. Um, You can create your own Ultimate Team cards. You can customize them from any FIFA back to FIFA 20. Uh, You can go ahead and pick a, a FIFA, make Team of the Year, Player of the Month, Award winners, all of the, the cards that have come out in promos, for birthdays, flashbacks, you can create any card, any picture you want, any name. Um, and you can, yeah, customize your stats, make yourself have 99 pace, 99 um, physicality, all those kind of mad stats. Uh, you can also look at like um, prints as well. I know some guys like posters. So we've got some Liverpool stuff there. Darwin Nunes, Bobby Firmino, the absolute legend. And um, as well as uh, player moments. So these kind of ones are really cool. Uh, as you can see, Salah, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't, would he? Salah rolled it. Firmino, 7-0. We all remember that one. Um, so, yeah, all of the products on this website, uh, you can get for 15% off if you use discount code TATPOD at checkout. So um, make sure you show the guys some love. We're also running away. Running away? We're not running away. We're running a giveaway where you can win an Alexis McAllister card. We're doing three of those and also £25 PayPal cash. Um, so if you want to get your hands on the McAllister card, courtesy of Your Foot Card, then follow these steps. You've got to follow Your Foot Card on Twitter, follow us, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and retweet the post. It is that simple and that easy to get your hands on some free cash. We all love free cash, don't we? And um, a McAllister po- poster. Well, it's not a poster, it's a card, but you know what I mean. But anyway, that was a lot to get through. But um, yeah, thank you once again to Your Foot Card for kindly sponsoring the podcast and uh, I'm going to take a drink whilst we introduce the panel. So, Mike, how are you, mate? Well, give me one moment because my mic's not on. Oh, wait, it is on. I thought I was having issues with my mic there because nothing was working. I'm doing great, man. I'm feeling good. I, that was a great introduction, right? Just like <laughs> how unprofessional can I look? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good. Uh, been an interesting like week in terms of football news, seeing a lot of players uh, that I'd still consider like near their prime taking leave and taking the pay packet out in Saudi Arabia. I mean, mm. best of luck to them. Uh, it's just surprising how quickly that's happening. So that's just been an interesting thing to watch. And um, yeah, still still seething off the fact that I finished behind a few people in our in our last video. But, you know, that's just my ego talking more than anything. But hey, I'll get over it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Saudi. And just before we, we bring Craig into it, Steven Gerrard has just confirmed he will not be joining the Saudi League. So all the rumours... All the confirmed reports you saw on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but just disregard them. They won't. I will. There's no comfort. <laughs> don't. don't, don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, but Craig, how are you, mate? You good? Uh, very good, man. Uh, this weather has been absolutely insane. So at least we have that while the football's gone. Um, 
But yeah, what Mike was saying there about Saudi, it's absolutely mad. Like I just, um, it's kind of, it's, yeah, I'm wondering, is there some sort of kind of cahoots with the premiership? Mm. Because all of a sudden we're, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not even talking about how, how much money the, the PL is, is spending in comparison to the rest of Europe and it's just a Saudi coming in. With, well, anyway, I was delighted to see the back of the Ruben, Ruben Neves uh, rumours uh, because <laughs> out of all the ones that were coming our way, that's definitely one that did not. It was a, a square peg in a round hole. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. just delighted to see the back of that. Absolutely, mate. And um, guys, make sure you're smashing the like button on the way in. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. And we'll get through some comments before we dive into things. Footy boys back once again. So big up TAT. How you doing, mate? Paul says, coordinator Ram, Gravenberch, Vega, Lavia. Which two of these five would you guys choose to have McAllister? I think we'll save that to the end, if you don't mind, mate. We'll get on to that. Um, and Jarrod to Sheffield Wednesday. I think he can do better than that. With all due Not all. Respect. Um, I, I, think he can. I don't know if he can. Well, <laughs> there we go. Maybe that's another topic to discuss. Um, but yeah, guys, as you can see, the title of this stream is The Future of Alexander Arnold. I'm going to discuss a lot of things in this podcast. We're going to talk about um, his position, where we see him playing next season and beyond. We're going to discuss um, his contract, which is due to be renewed because he's only got two years left going to discuss whether we think he'll be the captain in the future and is he going to change that number 66 um all things trend make sure you you get involved in the chat as well give us your opinions on um the generational right back well, that is trent alexander arnold and i will say that um uh, with my chest he is generational he's absolutely fantastic and uh this stream is going to be all about him so mike just kick things off mate i want to look at last season and obviously last season was um a bit of a sticky one for Trent because for the, and we have to be honest, for the majority of it, he wasn't like his normal standard. But then you could see when we did tweak one or two things, we saw the Trent that we all love and know. And we're like, okay, right, there he is. So just in a nutshell, mate, what do you think changed? Why do you think it was tough for him at the start of the season? And then when we just made a couple of changes... Why did he then just flick a switch and get like seven assists and two goals in the last 10 games? That's a, that's a big question. It's a big question, really... but you're a big I th- lad. So. Uh, I'm a big lad. I'm, I'm only 5'9 five, five, <laughs> on a good day, mate. I'm only 5'9 on a good day. Um, no, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I think that at the start of the season, we all our, all our fragilities shown defensively. And that's not just in Trent. That's across the, you know, our defensive shape, our, you know, fullbacks, or even our centre-backs. I think the issue was when we're put under pressure consistently in ways that maybe we haven't been before uh, in recent years where the players around Trent don't have as much confidence. And most importantly as well, the right centre-mid, which wasn't just Henderson, this goes for Naby, this goes for Jones, this goes for anyone who played that role, was not playing that role to the same quality that we've had in prior seasons. It left Trent exposed a lot. And when a player is exposed defensively, it brings out two sides of them. It, it will show you how good they are positionally, and it, show, it will show you how well they are one-on-one. And I, think, I think, unfortunately, when it comes to both of these, Trent is not phenomenal. And I don't say that as a disrespect. I still think defensively he's much better than people give him credit for. But I don't think he defensively is one of you know, England's best right-backs. You know, Wan-Bissaka is better defensively than him. Reese James defensively. Walker defensively, right? These three are better defensively than him. Unfortunately, it's just how it is. I think stats back that up. Where Trent thrives is on the front foot. When we're counter-pressing, Trent is very good at that. Um, winning the ball back in the in the set, in the you know the opponent's half, he was very good at that. He didn't have as many opportunities to do that because our pressing shape was nowhere near as good as it has been in prior seasons. The legs weren't there around him. The cover wasn't there around him. And as I say, there was a lot of lacking of confidence. And I don't, I don't buy into the narrative that was forced to... Uh, uh, down a, a few of our throats about the idea that Trent was like throwing a paddy during games that his uh, attitude wasn't right. Or I, th- I really don't buy into that. I think the player that sometimes fans thought of as not showing too enough emotion or was moping was just a player low on confidence that had been attacked by all sides of the media, overly scrutinized, unfairly scrutinized, and unfairly blamed for a large portion of our faults at times this season. He deserves scrutiny. All players deserve you know, a little bit of scrutiny, a little bit of criticism, as we all do in life. But I don't believe he deserved the amount of the amount he got, nor the disrespect he got from some pundits and players. Um, away from that, though, you look at what changed. Well, what changed was the formation. And with the formation, a lot of... Listen, there's a whole list of things that changed within our club as a result of the formation. I think 
specifically with Trent, it gave him the whole pitch to look at, which he hasn't hasn't had in the rest of the season. So when he was receiving the ball in the right back position for us, where he was playing slightly inverted, um, but he wasn't a midfielder. He wasn't playing in the midfield role. He's still a fullback. All the team shapes against us, it nullified him a lot going forward. And it wasn't the same Trent we've seen. I think teams got used to our formation, to be honest. So it nullified him going forward at times. The movement in front of him wasn't ideal as well during the season either, which didn't help. Uh, as I say, Northern midfield runs around to give him the space. Whereas when we altered the formation, what we had, we had um, in the right centre mid position pushing right up alongside Salah, which dragged away another midfielder from our opposition. The other opposition midfielders were occupied by Fabinho, Curtis Jones and the false nine dropping in. So we had three midfield spaces, uh, uh, three midfield movements that were kind of creating a space for Trent. And every time Trent would get the ball, he'd receive it and he'd be able to see the whole of the pitch. And then he'd be able to make those those runs uh, on and off where you just sort of bolt in behind out of nowhere. It's impossible to track when a player does that because it's unpredictable. And what this gave him was he was able to show the best parts of his game, his passing range, his ability to see two, three passes ahead of everyone else, which is something not many players have. The best passes in the world have it, and he, in my opinion, he is one of them. Um, so as a result of that, you know, there's confidence there because he's receiving the ball a lot more, a lot, lot more. I remember the second half against Arsenal dictated the whole game. Uh, I think onwards from there, our midfielders looked to him and we hadn't really had that connector in midfield, um, in midfield all season. So as a result, the midfield gained confidence. As a result of that, they attack gained confidence. As a result of that, the team does. I think what you're seeing was such a knock-on effect where the formation change didn't just benefit Trent. It benefited the whole team. But Trent was a standout because he was pulling the strings. Um, so yeah, that was the reason you know it changed for all of us. Uh, I think we're only going to see him develop in that kind of position. But it's whether that position becomes you know the inverted fullback, the six or an eight on the right-hand side, which is obviously what we're discussing today. Yeah, no, I, I think you what you said makes sense, mate. And um, I hope Craig, so. <laughs> no, it does. Greg, do you, do, you, do you share the same sort of view? Like, do you think, you know, Mike alluded to it there, but, you know, a lot of people have been confused saying that he's now a midfielder. He's not yet, is he? He's not a flat-out midfielder yet. So, again, with, with last season when we saw Trent taking up these positions, do you feel like that is where, you know, we are going to plan to use him in the future flat out? Or do you still think the plan is to go in third? I, well, I think I, uh, Mike covered it in, in very, very well there in depth to the point on on, on everything. And so I, I agree with pretty much pretty much everything in terms of what um, Trent and midfield and the, the area going forward. I think we're a little bit early days yet. And in terms of Klopp and what he's wanted, has always wanted to do, and people don't give him the respect for in terms of his tactical ability or the team behind him and their tactical ability, is we want to be able to change formations at will um, in-game. You know, So to suit a certain uh, point in the game as well, we need gears of what we need to go through from first to fifth. So when we are chasing game, we can tick, tick it up, we can change the formation, we can put up players up higher up the pitch. If we want to just you know slow the game down for five ten minutes, try and switch us back into right back, we 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 just we hold it hold it like that for for a while, and that's when we weren't playing well. We we weren't able to do that because we could barely get our first formation right, as opposed to being able to switch into a new one. Um, and what, what Mike um, alluded to in, in the first part in terms of it wasn't just trench, and that was a big part of why we had to change the, the formation in the first place in that the pressing wasn't there um, up the top and that just affected everything um, going back down the, the domino effect into, into the fence, which was shown up in Fabinho, shown up in Trent especially. Um, and, it, you know, again, it was it was totally over the top uh, harassment at certain points from certain pundits and commentator teams because, you know, it was they were waiting for any any slight chance to say, oh, look, Trent, Trent messed up there and would ignore the, some unbelievable one-on-one -on -one tackles and uh, taking players on the byline and things like that. He's actually quite a strong defender uh, when he comes down to letting someone go past him and you know uh, protecting the byline. But he needs that. He needed that centre mid to come over and, and cover the, the inside, the, the cut inside, which when he did get cut inside, yeah, he looked, he looked like he was he lost at sea. But... You know, again, that's a that was a team tactical issue as opposed to he he himself. Going forward, uh, I 
think this formation is is in its infancy, um, and you know we again we want to change. We want to be able to switch to it for certain matches, and then in, in certain games, like when we play against City and themselves, like like against Arsenal, we're talking two inverted systems versus each other. So it's really got who's who are the better players in that regard. So you know in the in in those type of matches. The, the system works best when we're dominating dominating the ball. So I can't see us actually playing it that often. Um, for the big big games when we might want to, or big away games when we might want to counter some teams. But I would say that Trent is needs to learn the midfield a lot more before we can say he's going to be a midfielder going forward. I think the system suits us right now because of frailties. If we can get our pressing um, going from the top, then we could actually—we, you never know—we could go back to the four-three-three um, because we'd have our, we'd have the legs, we'd have the, the pressure from there, and that could change things as well. But for the moment, we were getting cut open in the centre, so we having that extra body in there—it makes absolute sense right now. But it, it, it works as Trent coming in from the right back and him being able to be covered by Kanate. So. Um, the you're just switching. You could be if you're putting Trent into midfield, you could be losing a better midfielder like McAllister, like Taram. These guys who are have other you know other characteristics about them. Um, whereas Trent as a midfielder, I could think would be more like Gerard towards the end of his days with Rogers. You know, like that quarterback. You know, you don't need him. You don't actually need him up high at the pitch. You have a attacking goal threat if you do. But his strength is from deep launching passes into space. So it, it again, we're we're here to discuss it, but uh, I'd rather see him go from the inverted right back going forward for the moment, anyway. Yeah, I I, I agree, and I think the point I want to pick up first is um, you say about the punditry and the the comments made about him, and I, I completely agree with this. By the way, I think there's a certain right back that's a pundit right now who is very very insecure about himself um, because he yeah he was good at duels and tackling, and he was you'd probably say he was far better defensively than Trent. Fantastic. Good for you. But when you're talking about being a pure football player, there is no competition between the two. And I'm not saying all of them feel like that, but I just feel with him, he's always been a bit bitter towards us. Um, but I was looking uh, yesterday at the news that Peter Drury is going to be um, surprising yeah. me and commentating next season. Yeah. And I yeah, feel like that's perfect for players like Trent. Not just Trent, um, but players like Trent because he... He appreciates like those crazy passes. He appreciates those um, brilliant first touches. And you know, I'm not saying that we need commentators on pundits to wax lyrical about Trent. We know how good he is, but I just feel like he's going to be refreshing because, like you say, he doesn't get enough credit when he does the good stuff. But as soon as I think Mike wanted to allude to it a bit later on, when there's perhaps a mistake at the far post or something like that, he's everywhere. Um, but you know, like I say, when he does the absolute world class stuff, um, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't really get the praise. But Mike, did you want to pick up on that just real quick? I think you, uh, the Neville topic's interesting. I think, because I do think it's really interesting. I think there are moments where it does feel a bit bitter and I get that. I, can, I do agree. I, I'm in the minority when I say this, right? I think Neville's feelings towards Trent come not necessarily from a bit of place for the most part. I think, maybe this is quite neutral of me to say, I don't know. I think it comes from his perception of what a right back is feeds in too much to what a right back is now. So I think I think you can see that when Carragher and Neville debate. I think Carragher understands what a fullback has become. I think I think Neville, although he does understand that, I don't think he necessarily appreciates it the same way. Not to not in a disrespectful way, but I think potentially he appreciates it appreciates a right back more like a Kyle Walker, where although they can do the work offensively, defensively when you see them pocket a player like Mbappe, Vinicius it's so much more satisfying for a defender to watch. So it's almost like, you know how like an Henri looks at Haaland and is able to see and appreciate what he does in the box so much more than maybe the average viewer can because he understands the work that goes into it. I think Trent potentially, not Trent, sorry, Neville potentially looks at Trent and sees the flaws that we don't necessarily pick up on as fans uh, or, or maybe scrutinizes them a bit more than the average individual would or the average pundit would. Um, don't get me wrong, I sometimes do think he oversteps the mark. And he definitely is someone that, when I said before, which you picked up on, he is someone that I feel has overly criticised him. But I don't think, like unlike others, which I'm not going to name, um, I don't think he's done it from a place of malice for the most part. I think it's a subconscious thing that he's doing because of how we've used the fullback position. 
but that, as I say, that's just something I wanted to put out there no, for the sake yeah, of debate. Yeah. But just as I say, I'm, I might be completely off with it, but I don't know what you guys think with it, but I, I understand. Well, I, I was saying there was, uh, when I saw Drury was announced that he'll be the, the litmus test for Sky's agenda because you, know, you, you imagine that they, they are told to focus on certain topics more. And I think Trent's defence is you know a, a very high on the list of topics that the Sky team want to cover. Um, and yeah, Gary's the, the, the expert uh, when it comes to that position, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's move on then to some more sort of, I don't want to say analysis because I'm not a pundit, but we're going to basically be looking at a few situations from Trent last season. Unfortunately, we can't use the clips for copyright purposes. So we've got the next best thing. We've got screenshots. Um, if I go like this, um, oh no, I can't. Yeah, there we go. You won't see us at the top. There we go. Right. So Mike, I'm just going to talk to you all about this one, mate. So this is against Leeds. Um, he wins the ball back and granted there is a bit of a handball there, but the referee is five yards away from him. So he's not spotted it. So that's on him. That's not on Trent. That's the um, longest five yards I've ever seen, Van. Um, so he's right there. He can see it. He's staring at it. So that's on the referee, not Trent. Definitely. Um, and then Trent, as you can see, he makes that run uh, around Salah. Salah gives him the ball back and he plays it across to Gakpo. When you see Trent in this position here in the first uh, screenshot, I I don't know about you, mate, but I I like seeing him here. And I think the reason why I feel like it worked in this situation is because look who's behind him. And we've said this so many times that when he's bombed forward, when he's gone forward to either play the ball or to make a tackle or do whatever he needs to do, there's not been any anyone behind him. And we can't see who's off the, the screen here, but you can see Sinister is there. So there's obviously going to be Van Dijkpak or somebody because if not, that's just a ridiculous place to be. Um, but you can see we've got at least three behind Trent ready in case there is a mistake. So when you see him win the ball back there, then you see him make that run there and you see him play that ball to Gakpo at the far post. Talk to me about that, mate. Is that the sort of thing that gets you excited about Trent potentially playing the sort of role? Or do you think that was what Trent would have done anyway? I think, no, listen, I don't think he'd have been in that position. Uh, I think Henderson would have been in that position in the old formation. Trent would have been getting back uh, to sort of like line up at the four. In terms of coverage, I think it's a really interesting point. So we can see the three midfielders. I wish I could be like Carragher Monday Night Football highlighting them all. But you've got Kurt Fabinho and Henderson there. But then what you also have is you have a box around the striker. So you can see just right on the right-hand side, if you look closer, you can see the shadow of Van Dijk there. Now, what you can't see just off-screen uh, in front oh, yeah. is where Canate is, because Canate is covering the right-hand side. So what we have is we have a box around the striker right here. And then on the other side, where you've got Jones, Fabinho, Van Dijk, and then to the left, you've got Robbo. So you have a box around the uh, oncoming winger there as well, which allows us to be defensively so uh, solid because we, we're defending in almost, almost a six at that point, right? And then we have mm -hmm. this four going forward in Trent, Gakpo, Salah and Jota. Now, obviously, this is very fluid in terms of who presses and when, but it allows Trent to press. As we all know, this this is potentially a handball. However, he, it, it is what it is. All right, we move past it. He presses high up, puts the defender under pressure. He wins the ball back. Now, thank you. Great timing. What we see, he, may, he gets the ball to Salah and then is what I was talking about before about the rogue runs that he can make, which are impossible to track. He gets the ball and he's so passionate to get into that box the energy is there uh, at a level that i don't think we we maybe seen in the first half of the season you know it's a mixture of confidence adrenaline energy desire that puts him in this position salah great ball through as you say trend the timing of the pass is great the timing of the runs perfect and then although this is arguably a simple pass for a player player of trent's quality after winning the ball back making the sprint in behind and then perfectly delivering the ball across it's all about timing. It's all it's all about desire, but it's also about composure in the final third. And I think what Trent provides us on the right hand side is one a natural right footer in the final third, which is as composed as you can be. But he kind of combines the attacking quality that we'd want from an out and out winger with the prowess of a box to box eight. And it's 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 a wonderful thing to have, I think. And uh, yeah, I, it's, it's sorry, a high just to you there, I had no idea that was going to happen. Uh, just zoomed me in. Uh, so if you listen on Spotify, that is what happened. It just made myself jump. Um, no, sorry, did I cut you off? I just finished. No, no, I, I, I'd finished. Yeah, it's just sorry, the, the whole thing, I think, highlights the very best of what we can expect from Trent. And I think it shows you a glimpse 
of what we can see in the future, depending on the systems that we play. Perfect. Absolutely perfectly summed up. And Craig, just for time's sake, mate, I'm going to give you a, another goal um, to look at. So this one is... Um, this is Leeds. Same game, actually. Um, second half. He's picked up the ball, literally smack bang in the middle. You can't get any more central than that. Um, he takes it past the player, plays the ball over to Nunes. Nunes brings it down. And this time, he actually puts it away. And there was a lot of excitement, wasn't it, at the start of the season. And he did that tweet, which, of course, everybody went back to. How may I yeah. assist you? Um, but when it worked, we saw it work. Uh, why does it keep doing that? Um, we saw it work. Um, so, yeah, so talk to me about this, mate. Is this position here that he's in, um, how do you feel about him playing there? Uh, you alluded to it earlier, more of like a, a, a quarterback sort of vibe. Is this what you were saying? So he's got the ball there, and then he's playing that ball over to Nunes. Brilliant run, brilliant movement. But it is the pass from Trent that makes this goal, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, like this, this is where the system works. And if you look at uh, with City as well, um, like they they would play more the diamond um, side of things when when Trent moves or when the when the when the fullback moves into into the center. So obviously he goes long with this one, and you know he has that in his locker that he can pull any pass like that out. And this is why we want him in the central position with the ball is so that he can he can pick out passes to the left, to the right, down the middle as well, not just that one. Um, not to, just the one you get from the right hand side, but the the other the other key point here is that if they the defense they have a, they have to make a choice whether they're going to press him whether they're going to go in and press um, let's say who's who's that Milner in there with Thiago um, yeah yeah so like they they either have to kind of either keep the center forward free or cover both the other midfielders or or go to Trent and with um if we can do this successfully when we have the actual players to do it where McAllister will come into this Tiago will come into this where we can either look to look at with Trent with the long balls or we can go straight to the number 10 position in terms of the higher midfield and then we actually have the ball in a much better position on the ground playing in playing that style but you know with the with Trent in that defensive position we are stretching them out you know they're they're making the forwards are making that runs so then the defensive the defensive line is dropping, and then we were creating that space to play around in between the lines as well. So what we saw there was Trent at his best executing what he can do. But then what we're not seeing is the the, the tactical flexibility it's giving us in terms of having to play the ball, which we probably, you know, hindsight didn't have the players to do without without Thiago, without Ke without Keita last season. We didn't have these uh, intricate players to play play in between the lines. So that's a that's been really exciting as well because Trent, I think well, most people put him into his, into their five-a-side team, even though you know he, length of length of passing is his game. But you can see that when he gets the ball, he's very good at play, you know, pressing um, passing it around in tight spaces. So that suits him massively because when we have the ball, he's close to another player. He's close to one of our players. So he can't get caught into a big space if they, if we lose the ball in transition. He can actually affect plays closer to the opposition as well. Um, so, yeah, no, pretty excited. And again, um, I, I think I've, just for time's sake, I'm going to get my um, the, the last point on it. I think we, we saw with um, the Aston Villa game when Kanata gave away the penalty. Where the last clip where we were looking at, Mike was saying we have we have Henderson behind, we have Jones behind, we have that protection there. The Kanate penalty was the complete opposite in terms of Henderson got above Salah, Salah was ahead of, of Trent. We lost the ball, then that was it. You know, just huge space behind. So again, we just we we, we do need to. Uh, still look at that side of things or he, he he doesn't need to get too high up the pitch just yet because yeah. at that point that's where we're going to cause some cause some issues yeah and Mike we've just come to you um before we move on to the next one going back to the other one where he wins the ball back in midfield do you think that he himself is far more comfortable doing it there than he is when he's going against a Vinicius Junior or a Rashford or somebody that's just going to blitz him for pace, quick feet. Because for me, like, yeah, we can say he's a right back, fine, he should be able to defend. But if that's never been his strong point, if 
you know, like we know now that he was a six or an eight in the academy growing up and he never got put into those situations until we put him in the first team because essentially the reason why he was there is because we didn't have a right back. They've already said that. Um, so, yeah, just in terms of being comfortable at making interceptions or tackles, for me at least, it seems like he seems more happy to do it in the midfield than at right back. You're muted. <laughs> Muted, Mike. You're muted. I tell you what, bro. You know what? I'm so glad because I said some absolute stupid things there. It's all right. We're fine. All right. It's it's all good. All right. So listen, I'm here. Um. (laughs) All right. Okay. In terms of that, I think. Listen, I'm not gonna pretend to know his mindset in that moment. In these moments, um, you know, it's all speculation, really. Uh, for all we know, he was very comfortable at right back and. We, we don't know how he felt. Uh, from watching from the outside looking in, I think I can't judge his defensive efforts in terms of how he reads the game until next season. In terms of his defensive efforts in the six, to be clear, obviously I know his defensive efforts are right back. Because I think when, if we choose to play this inverted role or we choose to try and play him as this, you know, alongside Fabinho and whatever formation we play, over the over a 10 15 game period with everyone settled with the new players in players playing how we want to play next season it'll give us a better indication of what we can expect from him because i think this although we had a settled formation things were changing a lot throughout those 10 games where trent was on the run we were kind of chasing fourth place so we had to go in a game slightly differently the way we might have done normally so i can't really judge this new formation until it started a fresh season with the right players. Um, I think, listen, I, I think he is, I think he is very confident in, <laughs> so it's all good. Did you win the lottery? No, to be honest, man, I fully forgot your question. That thing is like completely zoned me like it's men in black. Just, yeah, is he more comfortable in midfield at winning the ball? I think he looks more comfortable in midfield. He looks more happy. He looks more happy. I think everyone looks more comfortable. Fabinho's got well, alongside him, right? Yeah, he looks happier, doesn't he? He looks excited to be in there. He's seen his interview after the England game. Even if he didn't watch mm-hmm. the England game, you will have seen the quotes from it. He seems like he's excited by what this role can bring him as a player. Every player wants to play to their strengths. Every player does. I don't care about anyone saying, oh, I want to be put under pressure. No, you don't. You want to play to your strengths and look the best you can because that's how you succeed as a footballer in many ways. Um, obviously, you've got to improve on your weaknesses. I'm not saying you don't. But on the football pitch, you want to be able to show your best qualities. He knows striking that football is his best quality. So the better positions he can get in to strike that ball, it is. He, I genuinely think with a bit of honing his skill, he could become one of the best dead ball players on the planet. Like You see what Ward Prowse did the last couple of seasons. For, here's the thing. I need to see Trent converting free kicks more. That's what I need. And mm. it, you know what I mean? I know that sounds a bit mad because you're like, well, he's you know scored the best chance free kicks are the ones where Salah rolls it off to him and then yeah. he just smashes it. They, when he when they do that, I I always feel like he's gonna score. It's Same. when he takes, like you say, when it's a dead ball, it's not moving. That's when it's been a bit inconsistent. But yeah, those ones where Salah rolls it off to him. Oh my! Yeah, we won't, we won't mention the Henderson one. Oh, oh, listen, it's a, he's just a natural defender, Craig. He just <laughs> went, no, I'm not letting it go in. It doesn't matter what goal. I'm not letting it go in. Respect it, Henderson. He's trying to make himself small. It's completely the wrong spot. When this yeah. is not becoming a Henderson thing. I can't do it. Yeah, Every no, time comes up and I feel like yeah. I'm in his corner. Yeah, let's finish off with this one. Uh, oh, this is the first one that I need. So this is against uh, Spurs, that crazy, crazy game of football. Um, probably one of the funnest games of the season, to be fair. But, um, well, at the end, anyway, when it was actually being played, I didn't feel like that. Um, but this, on the eye, when you just have a quick glance, it, it looks like a dead ball, but it's not, because you can tell with the way everyone is like in motion. But Trent's position there, someone just rolls it back to him. I think it's Salah. Um, and I don't even think he takes a torch. I think he just knows where Curtis Jones is at the bottom left of the screen. He knows where Curtis Jones is, where he's going to be. He plays an incredible ball over the top. Curtis Jones, first time finish, um, you know, really, really good from him as well. We have to make that clear. Um, And it was just, again, it was a brilliant piece of um, awareness from Trent. He knew where the the target was. Didn't even have to think about it. First time pass over the top of every single defender's head. Um, But Craig, you can see here, 
this is more of towards the the right hand side, isn't it? So, again, is is this is this where it would be? Say, I know this game was inverted, but say this is a one off game where he's just in midfield. One of the questions I said that we were going to ask today is if he is going to go into midfield, where about in midfield would it be? So, would you expect it to be more on the right, just uh, like a, a six? Or what do you think, mate? Is this where you'd expect to see him more often than not if he was just going to be a midfielder? Yeah, that or the defensive midfielder. Um, it's yeah. either it's either one of those two because, you know, again, like as I was saying about the, the quarterback quarterback uh, kind of positioning, like I think that suits him the most. So being the actual one and only six or one of two sixes. Um, so when you say right central mid, only if it's in the defensive midfielder kind of point of view, for my mind at the moment, because again, um, I think he uh, he he excels with space in front of him, as as opposed to uh, arriving arriving at. Well, I'm sorry, I say that now, but he's he scored an amazing goal for against against Malta for England, kind of arriving onto it as, it is as well. Malta. But... You're all right, Craig. It's against Malta. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, again, it was just Malta, but you know, this 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 kind of an area of his game that we we missed. But at the same time, he says these are the positions I, I'm you know now getting into. Whereas I felt like he got into that position quite a lot from right back too. He didn't actually convert um, as much as he wanted. Maybe they're a bit. A bit more on his left foot, I suppose. Actually, um, being honest, than they than being on the right foot. Uh, so even just that, just slight slight positioning in field would make a massive difference for him because he's just yep. he has more of the goal to aim at. So again, yeah, it would be definitely definitely only the right right hand side or in the in the center in the in the DM position. Again, he needs to show it defensively. Um, it, it it can. I think he is more protected in there, um, and it would might suit his defensive side a bit a bit more being in the center but again it is still like we're talking about Fabinho he, he knows where the space Tiago as well I think uh, plays that role really well because they know where the space is where people are going to attack and that's a it's a nuance and it, it's again he will he needs to prove it um because you'd, you'd rather an older head in there um and that kind of sorry that will lead me on to to Bacicic, who like you know last season completely played past his age in 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 a really um, you know on, on like malfunctioning midfield, he actually you know gave us it was the only bit of protection we had for months. Um, but I I said on a previous stream and I'll keep banging this drum if if Trent is not playing well um, like this, McAllister would make a big difference as I, I said earlier on in terms of um, playing playing through the lines and things like that, but. If Trent's not playing well, and then we're just spamming balls, because that's what he, you know it is. It's not a fair criticism, but when he's not playing well, yes, it is just a bit spamming balls down, just giving it away, giving it away. On that, um, right? I don't want to cut across you. Do you think that's a bad trait of Trent that isn't talked about enough? When he's having a bit of a bad game, he's got a habit of just trying to smack one 60, 70 yards, and we just lose possession. I feel like yeah. that's not talked about enough because I do see that happen for us a lot, man. I. I it annoys me. I just don't talk about it because I just feel like maybe I'm maybe I'm mad. That's it. You know, I think De Bruyne said before or recently this season that um, I don't look at past past completion rates because when you're in, <clears throat> especially if you're in the advanced position, um, you know, you're you have to try balls. But Trent was doing it on first phases, and we were making all this effort to get win the ball back. And if he doesn't execute those long ones straight away, it's you're 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 constantly trying to catch your tail. Then so. Yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely affects us. And you know, if if he does three in a row, then our heads go down. You know, and that and it's it's a knock on effect. So I feel like we do need to have other systems in place. So that's why again, McAllister, a new midfielder is coming in. We'll take a bit of pressure off Trent doing that. Hopefully, hopefully Absolutely. it was more of a you know last resort type of thing um, and a lack of ideas at times. But when things are going well, I feel like it's sometimes not all the time. Hopefully, yeah. I feel no, absolutely. Uh, it's big up Jamie, mate. How you doing? Everyone, go subscribe to Jamie Phillips Football Chats. You'll see me on there sometime this week. I'm gonna be on his channel, so make sure you subscribe. Top top guy. Um, streams all the time as well, pretty much every day. Uh, just in hot off the press, Stephen Gerrard has been talking about Trent midfield, so I'm just gonna read out some quotes from him. Um, he said, "Let me get the first one." It gets him closer to the opposition goal. He was the man of the match on Friday night. 
Um, the defensive responsibility has been taken away. I think we've already alluded to that. Um, I think he played as if he's been playing this role for years. He looked really comfortable in there. And that is something I noticed as well, not just for the England game against whoever it was last week. Um, when I'd been to games or watched him on telly and he was playing this new role, there was no settling in period for me. There was no, oh, this is like a bit, mm, going to have to work at this. And I know it's not 100% perfect. And I know we can still work on it. The system still needs a few adapt adaptations. But just in terms of him at least being in the middle, it did seem natural to me when I watched him play there. Um, and like we, we've mentioned, Mike, Mike mentioned it earlier, you see the enjoyment come out of him once again. It's almost like he was refreshed. He'd faced a lot of criticism and rightfully so at times. But this so this felt to me like it was almost like a reset button for Trent. Um, you know, he'd been missing out on England squads and all of that. So for him to, to get that chance, I thought was was brilliant. And we probably should have done it earlier in hindsight, but there we are. Um, he also says people don't give him enough credit for his power and pace. It's really interesting to see him in this role. I hope Jurgen Klopp and Gareth keep him there. He says it's something that's going to take time. You can't expect him to be fantastic every game in this role. It's a different game in the middle of the pitch. Definitely is. And then he says, I think he's better with a right back behind him. Uh, that's better for Trent as it takes the defensive responsibility away. And again, we, we, we spoke uh, on that. We didn't we just have that that. I'm just saying me and Gerard clearly have the same brain. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke off that before we started recording, just before we move on. Um, there was a link today from, I can't remember who it was, but it was about Kyle Walker. Ian Doyle. I, I've, yeah, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you wanted to um, to talk on it, didn't you? And that, look, just forget that it's Carl Walker. If it's true, and if they have looked at him, then I think that's pretty clear what sort of direction they want to go in. Because it's not like a project player. It's not like somebody rubbish. It, it is Carl Walker. And look, I don't believe it myself. That's why I'm, I don't really want to use him. But let's take away the name Carl Walker and look at the position. If we are looking to bring in a right back, that says a lot, doesn't it? I'll say this, right? I think the fact we were linked with Pavard, and now there's oh, yeah. this link with Walker, it tells me that, and from reliable sources, let's make it clear, Ian Doyle's reliable. I believe he is. I might be incorrect in that, I believe he is. And the ones linking us to Pavard were reliable. But it sounds like we called our, our interest in Pavard, and I don't think we'll get Walker. I'm going to be honest, obviously. But it is clear we're looking at right-backs. That is what I want to take away from it. So, And not just right-backs. Let's make it clear. These are multifunctional players that we're looking at. It's a very specific type of player we're looking at in that department. And everyone keeps talking about we're trying to sign centre mids, we're trying to sign defenders, but it's it's going under the radar that it seems from reliable sources that we're looking at right backs that can play a different couple of roles. Pavar can play midfield, centre back, left back, right back. Walker can play right side of a back three, right back. Probably could play the inverted role if he was taught it well enough. Pep didn't trust him to play it, but I believe he could play he could play it if he wanted to. So what that tells me is we're looking to bring in a strong, experienced defender to play right back, which would then free up Trent in the midfield. Now, I don't know whether I agree with the idea of Trent in midfield yet. I, I don't. I'm not someone who's like 100% no, that's an awful idea. And I'm not someone who says, you know, we, you know, that's a great idea. We should definitely do it. I'm just open to see what happens. I think, I think more fans need to be. We need to be accepting that there's going to be great and potentially very bad moments during this transition period where we try and figure out the best way to use Trent, but also the best way to progress as a team going forward. I believe we need a stronger right defensive side. Canate should not be coming out to cover space that isn't his. He should have a right back next to him. It will make our defensive unit much stronger. And I think if you have Trent alongside Fab in midfield, that could work really well if we have a very strong right back defensively. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting to know. I think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know. Craig, what do you think about it? Uh, well, I, I've said it before in terms of um, we might not necessarily have to go into the transfer market to cover ourselves in this regard. And, you know, we've seen it with uh, Milner uh, covering many positions in the past, whereas we can keep a spot free for, I suppose, more of a, a midfield area or a front where we can have a bit more tactical flexibility. So I would say, you know, you could actually look at, depending on how many midfielders we bring in, the type of opposition we're playing, but... You know, who else can cover in there? Fabinho's um, an ex-right back himself. Obviously, if you're going inverting, then he suits going into the, the central point. 
Joe Gomez was our 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 kind of defensive stable right back to use in big games um, in the past. Could he be like the traditional right back that we look at using um, if we go back to that kind of system? Um, or because I just don't see him working in the inverted role at all with the ball at his feet in those tight, tight spaces. I don't think it would suit him in whatsoever. And then one we've banged on about before is uh, Bacic. I think I think he would be, if Trent isn't on his game and we're playing the inverted system, I think he'd be the, he could be the one that might struggle for game time with all the new midfielders that are coming in and this new system as well. If Fabinho is, you know, has, has, is more comfortable with Trent beside him, then... Bash just might find it harder to get get those minutes. So he could be coming on for Trent and for, still provide that kind of ball-playing ability um, from the right-hand side, which is, what, which is what we want and what we need. Um, because as soon as you remove Trent from the right-back, we are you know we have lost a huge um, function of our attack in that, in that regard as well. So we need that to be covered if we do move Trent um, somewhere else because... Yeah, we still have to create those connections with Salah and whoever they're probably McAllister in the right centre mid position. Yeah, just on Stefan, he's got to play every single, um, every single Europa League game for me. Cup games, Europa League games. As long as he comes back from this injury, which uh, was a very bad one, I think. Hopefully, he'll be back by the end of preseason. Uh, but yeah, as long as he's ready for those Europa League games, play him in all of those. Gomez, you just alluded to. Joe Gomez Actually, with a football at his feet. Sorry, yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, Ben. Uh, have you guys watched much of Bradley? Because I obviously did a bit of a bit of a dive into Only him recently. Only pre-season games when he's played for us, not yeah. anything intense. I uh, can't say I've watched him, but I, I I know a lot more about him than I did about three weeks ago. I'll tell you that. <laughs> same, Ooh, same, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you got to. He, he, he looks from the highlights reel. Obviously, these are comp- compilations, so we have to take it for a, a grain of salt, but... Uh, pinch of salt. He looks very comfortable with on the ball going past players, playing kind of intricate, intricate passes in between in, in with the midfield, would suit the inverted position quite well. Mm. And he's not a crosser. I think he's more of like a strong passer into the box as opposed to mm. he doesn't doesn't whip them in. So I can understand why Ramsey has been sent out on loan, and we might look at keeping Bradley in into that position because he suits the the inverted position much more than than Ramsey would have in my mind. I agree with Craig 100%. Um, sorry, if I can just say, I, just, yeah, just before we move on, I think like, I, I think the reason that lad's gone out alone is because of his injury as well. He needs to go play 30 games. Like he just, he needs the consistency. He needs to find his feet again, find his confidence. And he's not going to be able to, to do that with us. Whereas I think with Bradley, it's the opposite because he's had such a good season. And from the few Bolton fans I've had a little chat with or the Bolton fan TV stuff that I decided to try and have a little, little look at. TV. But I, I wanted to. I wanted. I really was curious about what people. Think. It's not like a thing. It's just YouTube channels like oh, run by run by people that watch the games and stuff. But um, I mean, I didn't see it. if there is a Bolton fan TV. I'm not trying to you know disrespect that. I see <laughs> a lot. Um, but from the way that fans talk about him, the way his manager talked about him, players, you know, he won. Pretty sure his players player or it was player yes. of the season for he won them. all of them. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did the yeah. sweep, um, which tells you all you need to know about a young lad coming through. Uh, defensively, if you look at his stats, I can pull them up if we need, but he, he looked like he was doing very well. Um, and I, I can see why we've kept him. I think he could be a really good understudy for a right-back we bring in. That's how I view it. I yeah, think he could be a good understudy for a right-back we bring in. I agree. Um, again, I'm not seeing too much of him, but I think, obviously, the loan spell for Harvey Elliott was huge for him and his confidence. So, mm-hmm. let's see what happens with Bradley. Uh, there's just a couple more things I want to touch on before we wrap things up. Uh, hopefully, you're still with us. I know we've dropped a few because there's football on. And I think this is a reminder to me to not stream when a football match is about to <laughs> kick off. But uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Contract talk. Trent is down to his final two years. Um Look, there's no danger that he's going to go elsewhere. You know, that is not going to happen. I'm 99.9% sure that he's not going to leave. Um, but, Mike, we need to match his wages now because he is a superstar. He is one of the kingpins in our team. He's top three, probably, crucial players. You've got Allison, you've got Salah. You've got Trent, and you've probably got Virgil just along those lines as well. Um, so we have to give him a contract now that reflects him as a player. 
and potentially what could go on to happen, which I'll touch on in a bit. But yeah, do you say the same sentiment as me, mate? You're absolutely confident he's going to sign a new deal anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I think I think most Liverpool fans do. I, I I don't know. I feel like in the past when we've had world class players come through, even with Gerrard, there was a lot of questions about him sometimes coming towards his contract because he always have that Chelsea link. For those who don't remember, he'd always get linked to uh, Mourinho's Chelsea. So much so that uh, fun story. I think it was John Terry uh, took a letter from Mourinho that he gave to Gerrard, and it was literally Mourinho saying, "Like, fucking wish I could sign. Uh, excuse me, freaking wish I could sign you." I'm going to get fired from the Anfield Talk, ladies and gentlemen. This is my last ever time uh, on the pod. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, my thoughts and opinions do not represent the Anfield Talk. <laughs> it's like the way, oh my goodness. All right, I was going to push forward. Um, but yeah, like it's it's one of those. Like he, he is a quality player that I don't see his head being turned. Even if a Madrid came, I don't see his head being turned. I really don't. I think he's Liverpool through and through. He's another Gerard Carragher kind of vibe where he's not only wants to stay at the club for his whole career, he will because he's got the quality. He's not just got the quality, but he's got the determination to forever improve and he wants the best for the club and I, that'll lead on to the next topic, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I see a very, I see a much greater player in him now than I think he is currently, if that makes sense. I think there's a lot to come from him that I think his, there's no ceiling for him. There's no ceiling for him. I think that's exciting. What do you think? Yeah, Craig, coming to you, mate. I don't know the figures that he's going to ask us. I'm just going to guess. If he's looking at the squad and says, okay, most sellers on 350, I want 290 minimum. Do you, is that going to happen? Oh, like, I don't know. I'm, I've only did a little course in accountancy before. And like, is this, is this possible? Um, obviously he deserves it. I just think, there's there's certain factors like his age um, yeah. and and things like that where there's going to be another contract and potentially another contract after that. So, you know, we're we're talking about this um, wage being capped to um, to your your revenue or TV revenue and things like that. So um, you don't want to get into a situation where you have to actually you know give him a deduction in a few years time. Yeah. Um, but no, like as in he's he's a legend of the club already. He he will always will always will be no matter what happens. Um, and he d- definitely deserves you know up there. But I think you know you could look at it from two ways. In that he, he could have a very low base contract, and he could just you know the bonuses and of assists would mm. easily make him one of the highest earners in in the club. And so that could be a way to keep everyone happy and and things like that. Because again, there is a pecking order. Um, and he, he does need to stay stay in his lane while he can, uh, while he while he's there. Because yeah, we all we can all see him being a captain one day. But again, you know, this is the strength of the squads that we've had. How many guys are international captains and not the not the captain of, of the team? So he could be unlucky. You know, um, like obviously we're not talking about Jude anymore. Uh, but you know, a character like that could come along um, and you know, be our captain for the next 10 years after Henderson. So he's definitely always going to be in the leadership team, regardless. Um, I can, we can put our hat to that um, no matter what. And yeah, I just think maybe, maybe incentivize goals a bit more and hopefully um, we can see, can see the best of them. But like I'd, I'd said before that, you know, trying to, he reinvented the right back role like anybody else has. And now he's going to reinvent, um, I think a defensive center, central midfield inverted role, and he will set his own standards so it's up Absolutely. to him to, to keep the motivation. Absolutely. And to answer, to give my sort of opinion on the, the wage thing, I do believe that it's in the back of their minds. And I'm not saying we're going to shop at Heron Foods or anything like that, but we are looking to sign cheaper players, aren't we, in this window. After not signing Jude, you're looking at Taram. Look, we've got McAllister in. I think he's on 100. Um, looking at Gabri Vega, people like that. They're not going to get huge money for their first contracts. They're probably going to get between 70 to 90, maybe 100 at a push. Um, So I think there's a reason for that. And I hope that there's a big chunk of money waiting for Trent's name on it because it is imperative that we get this guy tied down to a big contract that A, reflects his football ability, his importance in the team, and just how valued he's at the club because I think that is a, a huge thing, keeping our players happy, keeping them, you know, okay, I am valued by this club. I can see the, 
the project. Like they want me to be here for the next decade, which we all do. Trent could easily play for us for another ten years. Um, so yeah, I I do believe that. I don't think we'll be in a rush to give him that sort of Mo Salah wage. I was just sort of asking that question. I think. 200 250 for his next one and then after that he might okay then go on to get the Mo Salah one but um his, I hope his could be complicated like Mo Salah's though um he's one of the better prepared in terms of his own personal uh, image rights and his, yeah, his own true. brand and company so yeah it, it might not be as straightforward it, it would be from the passion the the background side of things but from the legal, the legal standpoint it might be a bit more difficult than a few of the others from yeah. the information that I've been able to just quickly find, I mean, I don't know how authentic this is, to be clear, but when he signed his four-year contract in 2018, supposedly, uh, sorry, 2019, rather, uh, supposedly that contract came uh, with a stipulation of a consistent weekly salary of 180 grand. So if you consider the fact he's already on 180, hypothetically, which 2019, 2020 season, him signing that, I don't know it's whether that... It's a lot of money. So it's 180 now. The, before that, uh, you can look at it was nearly probably a, a makeup kind of payment because it's, one of the Williams oh, at Man United was on more than them. Uh, yeah, he was on a, he was, it. Was, it was, yeah, we did definitely boost it. I just think if we're going, if he's at 180 now, we gave him a four year contract in 2019. I think the next contract we give him is going to have to be a five year. It's going to have to be the longest deal we can sign him to. I really do think it will be one that maybe is paid more in bonus than to balance out because of the way we yeah. are with our structured. With our, with our pays, the only three players in our history, if I'm right, to hit that 200 mark, or in the Klopp's history, as being the Firmino, the Mane, the Salah. Don't get me wrong, he's now in that bracket, and he will be in that bracket. Mm. Maybe Van Dijk as well. So, uh, you know, he belongs in the bracket. I don't argue that. 280, I don't know. Maybe two, I could imagine it being something like 240, 250, and then with bonuses, kind of like, you know, this amount of assists, this amount of goals, you know, this, you know those personal things, because I think he's a personally motivated kind of player like that where I could see us weaving them in. But that's that's a whole financial conversation where mm-hmm. I don't know. But hey, listen, if you if you want to see yourself looking like Trent with 99 stats all over the bar, mm-hmm. go use the TAT pod for 15% off with yourfootcard.com. All right, listen, you got to slide it in when you can, boys. But um, Go on. Uh, sorry, um, you're saying you're going to get sacked, mate. I'll probably get sacked because after using all these overlays, I forgot to put it back on. So uh, <laughs> apologies for that. And the next stream, we're not going to use overlays. It's going to be on the stream for the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, um, if you just joined or if you're joining or you're watching it back, check out the start um, of the podcast for all the information and I'll wrap up with that as well. Just to close things off real quick, guys, uh, I want to get your opinions on this. Let me get this up. So this is Trent speaking back in uh, 2019. Um, And he was asked about captaincy. And he said, I am not shy in saying that being captain is a dream for me. Whether it comes true or not is not up to me. I don't pick who is captain. But that is something I would love to do one day. Captain in Liverpool is something I've always dreamed of. And that is something that motivates me. I have always been a Liverpool player. Liverpool has always been my home. I have never thought about changing clubs. I always thought Liverpool was destined to be my club. When I grew up, the dream was to always play for Liverpool and I'm living the dream and I can't see that changing. Um, straight off the bat, Mike, do you see this happening? I do. I, I mean, I do, but like, it's very dependent. I, I don't think he's a shoe and a lot of people think he's just going to walk into the captaincy. I, I, I don't. Show it, yeah, he's got to show it that he can be that. Yeah, I, I don't see it because I, I have, I'm yet to see the traits that I like in a captain regardless of what you think of Henderson, every time I almost have to preface this every single time because like people just go crazy. But Henderson is a phenomenal captain in he what is. he's done in terms of over the years since he's been captain in nearly a decade now, gets on the pitch, gives us all, turns up a training, fight, you know, early, early is on time, kind of like Milner. He pulls the best out of players. He's vocal. And even if he's having an awful game, he's still giving 110% and his head doesn't drop. Right. And he's always talking. And like, uh, it is what it is. I know I say that and then people hop on and be like, oh, but he's awful. Oh, what, you think he should be starting? No, stop. Like, I don't believe in any of that. I really don't. I, don't, I, I hate the debate that comes with it when you just say that he's a good captain. You can't compliment him without causing a debate. But his next successor, is it Trent? I don't know. Because what I'd want to see over the next season, especially now with him turning 24, he's starting to reach that age now where we all want him to step up. I'd love to see him vocal. I'd love to see him leading by example in certain moments. And don't get me wrong, the 
clips a highlight reel his highlight reel is always going to be great because of what you can produce but your highlight reel doesn't represent you necessarily as a leader what represents you as a leader a lot of the time is a lot of a lot of the things we don't see unless we really focus on it and that is okay we've got a set piece he's going around making sure everyone's alert all right we're we're one nil up all right go communicate keep people switched on you know what i mean it's those subtle things that you can do during a game like even just yeah. applauding the one thing trent's very good at is and you've seen it during covid when you couldn't hear a single fan Every single tackle went in. He could have been standing on the other side of the pitch. I'd hear him congratulate. I'd hear him yelling. You yeah. know what I mean? If someone's yeah. not tracking, the, the best yelling. one for me, uh, um, Barcelona, Origi's goal from the corner. You hear Trent shout, "Play on, la!" Because yeah. Origi didn't know. Like the guy was like looking around, like what's going yeah. on. But you yeah. literally, if you get that clip up, you can hear you can hear Trent very faintly shouting him, "Play on!" Like you know, just Here, here's one for you guys. Do you, do you see Trent throwing his throwing like an arm around the shoulder of a guy, kind of giving them that kind of comforting word if things aren't going his way, or do yeah. you, or do you see him on they're kind of more the receiving end of that? Um, so you think whether he'd give the boot treatment or whether he'd put the arm around? A, a bit of both. Like, do you think he has that in him to kind of be the kinder? Because I know he's a fighter, he's a winner, and he oh, he can kind of take that kind of nasty side. Is he is he is he too maybe is he too nasty that way? Because you know Henderson would could see you know if someone wasn't mentally there or type of thing and can actually go can, off and give a kind word if needs to be. Can as I well. just can I just go on this one? I remember well vaguely I was very young, but when Gerard got the captaincy from Hoopia, he was very young, and I think maybe those same sort of comparisons would have been made for him. Like, is he ready? He's still got to mature a bit. And look, we can't just keep comparing Trent to Gerard. They're completely different people. But I, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. And I think Trent has got a lot of development to do in terms of, um, you know, you can't, like Mike said, you can't just give it him. Like he's got to conduct himself. He's got to show that he can do it. Uh, we currently don't have a vice captain. I'm assuming it's going to be Virgil van Dijk or Alisson or Salah, one of those guys. Um, but he's he's got to earn it and he will. I, I genuinely believe that in the next five years, Trent will be the captain of this club. It's his club. He's done nothing but be absolutely fantastic. I don't look, I don't care about a, a COVID season where you know the whole team wasn't functioning. I don't care about last season when the whole team was crap. When we've been at our best, he's been at his best and he's been pivotal to everything we've done. Um, but in terms of yeah, like getting those traits to be a captain, they don't come overnight. You've got to build a captain. Um, some yeah. people are naturally born with like leadership qualities, and I think he is to some extent. But I know what you're saying, like, you know, in terms of like the Gerrards and Henderson and people before those those guys in our lifetime, you've had that sort of like, okay, he's in the room now. We have to A, do what we're told. We have to be at a standard. We have to have that sort of um, mindset around them. And I think Trent will get that. I really do. But Mike, I what think do he's you think? No, I agree with you. I, I think he's developing it. I think we're watching it developing in front of our very eyes. Yeah. To be honest, I actually think the season just gone, as much as I, I heavily disagree with what I felt was almost character assassination at times from the media. And it's one of the reasons I, I hate social media. It's one of the reasons I, I hate Absolutely. news in general. I think they like to pick a target, abuse them until they're on their knees and then go, why are you on your knees? That's how social media works. And it's a very cruel, cruel place. Um, I think despite that, the fact he's came out the other side, I, I really do think it's probably long-term will do him a world of good. It wouldn't it wouldn't do all players a world of good. I really think some of the stuff he went through this season could have really broke him. And uh, Fair play to him for going through it and coming out the other side because it looks like he has came out the other side. And that's one, one thing about him that you've got to commend his character because week in, week out, like we, we'd finish a game and if it wasn't Henderson getting the abuse, which again, I mean, commend his character, it would be Trent. And I go on, whether it's social medias, and to be fair, yeah, you say that Henderson gets it all from social media, but I, I, Henderson never really got it by the pundits. Whereas I think Trent was getting it from both. And I think the fact he came through that was genuinely, for anyone who struggled with mental health, I think it's quite inspiring as well in general. Because I think people really don't understand just, I mean, I don't understand. It could have really took a toll on him and we don't know. Yeah. It took, I remember it taking a toll on Nico Williams. I mean, Liverpool mm, fans remember that. social, did he? He blacked out his social. I genuinely think it affected his career to an extent for a period of time. It affected his form for the club because he's probably sitting there thinking all these people are waiting for me to make a mistake. Just going off on a tangent as well, just, yeah, I, I just feel like it's important to say this. I remember I was at the uh, Southampton game, the last game of the season, um, and I've mentioned this before in the pod, I was sat with Harvey's dad 
he was the row ahead of me. And at the end of the game, I just had a chat with him and told him, like, he was the best player on the pitch when he came on. And I truly thought it was. And I did a tweet about it, like, oh, just sat with Harvey's dad. Um, you know, people need to be careful what they say on social media because they see it. Because he alluded to something like, oh, yeah, um, I, we spoke about, you know, people on social media being very harsh on him and stuff like that. Um, and he met, he said something that, you know, made me think like, you know what? He sees everything. And Harvey's 19. Trent was 20-whatever when this was happening. Um, I just feel like people are so quick. Curtis Jones has had it as well. Um, a lot of yeah, people are very harsh on him. When you, when you mentioned Curtis there, it was actually an interview I'd seen with Curtis and Trent doing like one of those kind of questions with each other type of thing. And um, yeah. one of the questions was uh, screen time. You know, so like they, as the club, mm. they, they make them... Uh, admit like what how much time they're spending on their phones as well because that's it if they see that they're spending four hours a day they're, they're like no burner, you, you need to reduce that straight away they'll have a burner yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well apparently pep has a burner doesn't it it wouldn't surprise me if klopp has a burner yeah klopp's definitely yeah. got a burner somewhere he's he got always it. goes on about like stuff that's been said on twitter like I, I enjoy it to be uh, he's always listening to talk sport as well that's yeah, it last thing i'll say on it i think I think the mental health aspect of football is gravely, gravely undercut by hypocrisy. I see a lot of people get on social media talk about, uh, you know, talking about mental health. I see a lot of pundits get on, you know, media talking about mental health. But when push comes to shove and people need clicks or streams or views, they will abuse people beyond belief for engagement. And I think it is a travesty in sport. That is something that we'll we won't rectify because it drives engagement. And it's a shame that it's leaked into fan bases so much that people think it's okay to get online and say the stuff they say. Um, and it's just a devastating thing. But away from that, Trent's character to come through the other side, genuinely inspiring. I think that's one of the reasons why I think he would make a great captain. And I hope to see him next season thrive as a result of that. Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap things up. Um, we all know how good he is. We all know how good he's going to be next season. He is playing for England now. I have no idea what's happened. I've just seen a clip already as we're talking about social media. Henderson got megged, uh, which is quite funny to be fair. Um, that's, yeah, that's fine. Anyone getting megged on there. Yeah, um, it's already doing the round. So you're probably <sighs> Uh, but guys, that is going to be it for now. Uh, we're going to probably do some more of these kind of streams talking about specific individuals um, because I think they're always interesting. We are going to do another draft on... I can't remember what day I said. We'll confirm it in the chat. The next draft is going to be much more challenging because it's a Jurgen Klopp era draft. So there's no 1970s and 80s for Elliot. You know, Pretty much Klopp like one team. Like <laughs> yeah. So it, there's literally like 15 top, top players you can pick from. And then the rest yeah. are very average. So someone's going to get shafted with the keeper. Absolutely, Holy mother um, of God. So make sure you check out. Uh, no, my <laughs> You're gonna say Carius. Grobera. Make sure you're following us, guys, for um, confirmation of when those streams will be. Because every time we have a stream lined up, we will tweet out about it. I'm gonna go because these two will keep me here all night if I don't. So take care. <laughs> Smash the like button. Use TAT at the checkout on your foot card. Get all your ultimate team cards or your illustration arts, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.